Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L I V. By Advantia. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com/coke to save up to twenty dollars on passes plus daily tickets starting at thirty four ninety nine. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the big red bus as we take this glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago as we're quickly approaching training camp. There is a dent, however, in the door. I don't know if you've heard yet, my co-pilot, DT. How you doing, brother? I'm uh, I'm just living the dream. That's good to hear. Um, I hope you're still living the dream when I pass on this news that's breaking. Patrick Williams out four to six weeks with a severe left ankle injury. I don't know if it's a left ankle. It's an ankle injury. Did you hear? I, I heard the four to six weeks. I didn't hear the cause yet. Um, I, I just got text messages, apparently, from, from Bulls fans saying, like, oh, my God, did you hear this? This is awful. So uh, I, I heard the news, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, sustained in an individual optional workout. I mean, obviously these things happen. Ankle injuries are common. Thank God it's not a break. Thank God it's not a tear. But still, you know, not, not great news for – uh, Patrick Williams, and especially for the Bulls as a greater team, uh, were very shallow at the power forward position. What do you see them doing to cover up this loss? I mean, playing a lot of guard lineups. I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they do with the starting lineup. And also, you know, Rob Schaefer, our buddy Rob, just uh, tweeted out a moment ago, the injury is retroactive to the date, which was the 15th. And so four weeks would be October 13th. Six weeks would be October 27th. So if he's actually back at that point, he'll miss relatively little time in only a couple games. Oh, so, thank goodness. Yeah, so but- that, that might not actually have a big impact. Um, while he is out, I mean, I expect them to slide DeRozan to the four. You could see Caruso uh, moving into the starting lineup potentially, or maybe they just bring in Troy Brown Jr. or uh, Derek Jones Jr. You know, one of those guys will have to, to step up and play a wider role, I would imagine. Yeah, but neither of those guys, to me, are even remotely capable of playing the four position. I keep on hearing that, that, you know, Derek Jones Jr. is a can play the four. He's 6'5". He's not a great rebounder. He's a super athlete, and he's a natural three. And I think his greatest advantages come at guarding quick ones and twos. He's extremely versatile on that end, but he's not strong enough to, to bang with the big guys at the four position. Uh, it's not a lot of great fours you're going to go up against, right? Well, Lori Martin, I mean, no. we got to go up against Larry and the 
Cleveland. If we're struggling to beat Cleveland, Fred, it's going to be a tough year for the Bulls. Yeah, I joke a little bit because Cleveland does actually have a good amount of young talent and, and could surprise. But, you know, I don't know that there's a, a huge concern about the individuals you're going to have to de- defend there. I mean, I expect in the end the Bulls are going to play a lot of uh, four-guard lineups now. You know, with with a couple guys who are like threes playing the three and four. You know, like our our two, three, and four will probably all be guys who are like six five. Yeah, and that that's see, and those guys are going to have to be versatile. And yeah, occasionally you might run into someone who's got some size on you, and you know who's, who's going to be able to out rebound you, and that's going to be a struggle. You're going to have to try to make that up on the offensive end uh, with your quickness and athleticism. And you know, we'll see. But we we've discussed this as a, a problem. I mean. I think I, when we were talking with our buddy Mark, we were, Mark brought up the idea as Vucevic, the guy you'd want to lose least. And I, mean, I think he said most important, but you know how I took it was like losing Vucevic has a bigger impact on you than losing other players just because there is no capable backup and there's no depth uh, you know, behind him at center. And I, while I don't think Patrick Williams is quite as big a loss just because I don't think he's quite as good a player, and then there's also guys who are more capable of doing what Patrick Williams does because he's also a little bit of an undersized four. Uh, you know, it still is something where we're, we're very thin there, and, and the way we're going to respond to that is to play small, not, not to really have a great power forward. Yeah, and I think we'll get through it. Like, we have enough talent overall that I think we'll be able to – get past this, but it, I'll, I'll stand by what I said before, and I still believe this. All these guys that we brought in this offseason are, are going to raise our floor, but our ceiling is going to be completely determined on Zach Levine and Patrick Williams. If if Williams can really take a jump and become a defensive force, to me that's the most important thing he has to do, I think we're going to be very good and a tough team to beat. Uh, that's where my biggest concerns are, is that in our interior defense I think is pretty weak. I, I keep on making a point about Vucevic. Yes, he's super important, and I do like him, but I, I actually think Bradley is actually a better answer defensively. Uh, he's nowhere near remotely as good as Vuce on the offensive end, but I think he's going to do a good job as a backup center. Uh, you know, Elise Johnson is a player that we added in the interim since uh, our last pod. Do you think he can help out at all at the power forward position? He's not a guy I've done a lot of research on, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he seems like a guy who can get some rebounds for you, also athletic. Um, you know, I, I'd say he'll he might have he'll have a chance obviously to get more minutes than he would have otherwise. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have projected him as a rotation player prior to this injury, but with this injury, uh, he definitely has a chance to become a rotation player. I would say in the in the early going. Yeah, and I do agree with you though. I think that's how the Bulls will respond by putting Crusoe into the starting lineup, moving DeRozan to the four. Um, you know, it just leaves a lot of questions around your interior defense, DeRozan. And uh, Vooch as your 4-5 is not probably ideal in terms of defensive interior defense. Uh, I, I do get concerned it might be a layup line because uh, no matter how good you are as a defensive player, and Caruso is rock solid and so is Ball, you know, you're know you one well-set pick away from, from path to the basket, and you do need those guys to clean up the mess. And uh, so I do expect Bradley to be playing quite a bit more. We'll see what happens, but, you know, kind of a bummer, no doubt about it, as we're about Oh, having, yeah, for sure. You know? As we're heading, yeah. The, the one thing you can say is like based on the timeline I put out earlier is you know as long as nothing major happens that disrupts that timeline and makes it worse, you know, it's a chance you may not even miss a regular season game, Fred. I mean, yeah. So, so you know, there's nothing to panic about. Like if we have to live without Patrick Williams for four games, it's a bummer that you're starting the season knowing that Pat is potentially going to miss you know up to four or five games, and that Kobe White is is going to miss time for a while. So you got a, a couple guys you know before you even go that are going to be out, but. 
you know, at the same time, you know you're going to have to fight through injuries, so we're just going to have to hope for better health as uh, the year goes on and, and hope we don't lose someone even more key. You know, hope we don't lose Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan or Lonzo Ball or Nikola Vucevic. I mean, I think you'd agree that any one of those are, are more important losses in the grand scheme of things. No doubt. No doubt. And, uh, you know, let, let's, let's move on to another topic. I mean, I think we've, we've kind of uh, – the other albatross that's hanging out there that is still looming is the uh, NBA tampering investigation. I brought this up on another great Twitter poll. Um, I don't know if you participate in this, Doug, but – I'd like to share with you the uh, the knowledge and the pulse of Bulls Nation. The question was, the NBA tampering investigation of the Bulls ball sign and trade should be coming to an end soon. If the penalty is a first-round draft choice in 2022, who do you feel would be most responsible for the travesty? Is it Rich Paul, Lonzo's agent, Woj, the Bulls front office, or none of the above? What say you? Well, there's only one answer to that that's re- even remotely reasonable, uh, and it's uh, Rich Paul. And the, the other thing I'll say about that is um, I love the way you phrased the question. Like if we lose the second round draft pick, maybe we would choose someone else to, to bury the, the, the blame. But if it's the first round draft pick, then we. <laughs> well, it would be a travesty, right? There's no. Yeah, yeah, no, it would be. But I mean, you, I mean, the, the fault is still whoever's either way. Anyway, I, I was just uh, picking on semantics for no reason other than that I'm a moron and an idiot and wanted to distract you. Um, <laughs> it works. No, I mean, it's it's rich. It's rich Paul's fault in a way uh, because it's like whatever he had to get the news out immediately and couldn't hang on to it, and he put his name, you know, to the news as Lonzo's agent and allowed himself to be quoted. And if that wasn't the case. You know, like it, it probably would have been different. But at the same point, it's like, well, what does Rich Paul care? He doesn't, you know, whatever. He needs to get his news out. He doesn't give a, you know, well, why should he care what happens to the Bulls? So, I mean, like it's his fault, but he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't have to worry about it, right? It's not his problem. Now, these agents will probably be told by the teams, like, look, you can't do this type of thing anymore, you know, with sign and trades. With sign and trades, you got to treat it a little bit differently. But I mean, in the end, it's just, it's the NBA's fault, and that wasn't the choice on there. But it's the NBA's fault. Like they created these rules that are completely contradictory. They're crap. They are completely worthless. I don't think any fan of the NBA feels like tampering is actually being uh, limited by these rules, or that not all of the teams are talking to prospective free agents early. And the fact that you can't even talk to a guy who's going to be a free agent like early is just stupid. Why can't any team talk to Lonzo Ball before the season rolls over? Just change that so that the moment it's his last day. Uh, you know, you can start talking with him. Yeah. Just change. It. So you can, I mean, like that's just a stupid rule. Like it's a dumb rule, and so you created all these dumb rules, and now you have to pretend to enforce them and care about them, but they aren't harming anyone. This isn't talking to a guy who's under contract and convincing him to demand a trade, like the Lakers did with Anthony Davis. It's not the Clippers like sending their scouts to like follow Kawhi around for the entire season to you know convince him to sign with the clippers like those things are actually damaging and like you're you're actually tampering with a guy under contract or you're you're basically trying to convince him mid-season like that's entirely damaging where you're distracting them with this type of stuff this is like this is so worthless like oh we're, we're concerned that someone talked to a guy on june 15th and he couldn't legally sign until the first but he was going to be a free agent you know it's not like anything could happen in those two weeks that would prevent Lonzo from you know, making a different decision. So it's just, it's just a worthless, worthless rule. And so really the fault is the NBA, and I blame you for not putting together a better poll. <laughs> How dare you. I will say uh, <laughs> I do agree with you. The fault, primary fault is that Rich Paul. I mean, you, you can just say, well, it doesn't affect him. Well, yeah, actually it does. It's his client, and you're making the team that he's going to worse. 
in a way that really didn't need to happen. And, you know, as Brian Windhorst stated, the aggrieved parties in this tampering were the teams that lost out on ball. And this is the point I'm trying to make is I think that's, and, and, and he implied, and I agree with him, that that's where this in, stupid investigation started. And I, I keep on bringing up this point. I wonder what team could have done that. You know, what team was embarrassed by another spurn-free agent despite their alleged renaissance? What team is a stone's throw away from the league offices that is run by a former agent who knows the ins and outs of this process? And what team has a devoted fan and a commissioner? It's a stink of Knicks. It's the Knicks. And I think they were PO'd that they lost out on Ball, that they lost out on Lowry, and they complained to their buddies in the front office. And I agree with you. This is a complete joke. And I'm going to be pretty angry if we end up losing a first-round pick, an asset, frankly, we can't afford to lose. Yeah, I, you know, and I don't know if it's the Knicks. A lot of people have said that they felt it was the Pelicans. Um, but, yeah, you know, however it, it, it shakes out, I just, in the end, it's like, it's a bad rule. It doesn't make any logic, you know, though, Doug, because they're it, it, just as a, guilty. A, they're just as guilty of the Well, trade. no, because the Pelicans, what's illegal is talking to a player that you don't have permission to talk to. The Pelicans didn't do anything illegal. They can they talk did. to the Bulls about a, they can talk to the Bulls about a sign and trade. They negotiated a sign and trade allegedly, and their phones were ta- taken. The Raptors' phones were taken. Asaya Jerry already admitted that his phone was taken in this investigation. So all those teams are potentially they can negotiate in a trade. They just can't talk to the player. Well, they still pulled all their phones. Like I, yeah, this yeah, idea they, they is the get, Pelicans. They can get all- they can get all of the yeah, and who knows? Anyway, I don't want to argue about this with you, yeah. like just because you've decided it's the Knicks with no evidence. It's it's fine. Like it could be. I just I'm threw out four it. pieces of evidence. What are you no, talking you didn't. About? You, that's that's not evidence. I don't know if you know what evidence is. That's yeah, not evidence. It is evidence. It I is not evidence. You, a, you, you threw out like you out like threw out like three things that you alleged to be true with no knowledge of them being true. He's a former agent. That, it is true. What are you talking about? That's not about? evidence. Though. They are that, close. The commissioner is is a Knicks fan. They are in New York. The, the NBA offices are in New York. Yeah, Most no, of the people in that organization are Knicks fans. What? Those, not, those aren't pieces of evidence, though. Those are like random facts. <laughs> like, oh, like, like you don't think that we could call Have Adam Silver Have you been in a court Chicago? case ever? What are you talking like, about? This is evidence. I'm presenting it to you. No, ev- you're evidence, throwing it would, out. evidence would be things. I'm not, throw, I'm not throwing it out. I'm saying it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. Evidence would be things like the Knicks publicly complained about the ball signing, so we know they're upset about it. This you is know, circumstantial. Like no, no, no. I'm providing you with circumstantial evidence. That's exactly what I gave you. How, how well does circumstantial evidence hold up in court? It but, does hold up in court occasionally. No, come on, right, anyway. I don't <laughs> want to argue about it. Let's like, not debate on like, this. You're I don't, this I don't care. Right. I don't care about it being, whether it's the Knicks or someone else. Like I said, it's a dumb rule. And whoever complained, you know, whatever, pound sand. It's a dumb rule. Like whoever complained, you were also talking to people earlier. That There's no way you're going to tell me that the Knicks weren't talking to free agents early either. Like or, or any team, whoever complained was doing it because every team in the league does it. So it's just it's just one of these rules that they just need to reevaluate and say this doesn't actually serve anyone. And you know, and it's insulting. It's like and I don't know if you saw Joe Lacob Le- 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 I don't know the owner of the the Warriors just got fined for referring to Ben Simmons and answering like a media question, and you know referred to him as the Defensive Player of the Year candidate from the 76ers because he didn't want to say his name because he didn't want to get fined, but they you know saw through that and fined him anyway. And it's like, and he said, like, yeah, we don't intend on bringing him in. And then they find him for tampering. Like, I'm like, okay, he answered a question about a player and said, we're not interested. And that's tampering? Like, 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 who is this protecting? Do you think Ben Simmons heard that answer and said, you know what? Oh, my God, I want to go to the Golden State Warriors now. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, they, all of these things, can you think of, like, a single time where they, like, actually did something about tampering 
where it was like warranted and made sense. Like you'd have to go back to like the Joe Smith thing where they like offered up like an illegal contract and had like a handshake agreement that violated the CBA. Like that's the last time I can think of where like they actually did something that was like meaningful. The rest of this stuff is just junk. It's BS. It's fines and stuff that doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's like they only find people based on like public comments or now apparently sign in trades that, that happen right away uh, for guys that would have been free agents anyway. And they're both just worthless things that don't actually impact anyone, and they should just stop doing it. All fair enough. Sorry. I agree with 90% all of what you pedestal, said. Um, all your points were good outside of your uh, you know, poo-pooing on my circumstantial evidence. I thought all your points were <laughs> accurate, and I agree with the vast majority of what you said. This whole, this whole thing is a joke. And, again, I'm going to be outraged if we are uh, – if, if a number one pick is removed – uh, as a penalty for what has happened here, especially you know, you know how angry I'm going to be if it's the Bulls that are the only team to get penalized and the Heat get away with it. I mean, give me a freaking three break. angry, beyond angry. It's going to be Hulk level angry. Maybe four angry then. Yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> numbers. I don't know. I don't know how to judge your anger. It'll be, uh, <laughs> well, I'll make I, a graph. We'll, we'll judge it how dilapidated the bus is on the the, the show after the, <laughs> yeah. the the news comes out. Well, I, I don't think we'll lose a first round pick. We'll see what happens. Uh, but my guess is it'll it'll end up being a second rounder, which we won't care about, and and some monetary fine. Yeah, because I, let's just let me throw this out there and ask you this question: If the trade was Lonzo Ball for the contract that he signed, which I thought was relatively good, I thought it was you know for what he brings to the table, that's a good value contract and a number one pick. Would you have made the trade? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. I mean. Probably not. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm not super excited about Lonzo Ball. But, you know, if we had it, it it's kind of like one of those things, like, if we didn't give up a pick from DeRozan, uh, then it would be more palatable. You know, like, but I'm I, I'm not a huge fan of Lonzo Ball. You know, I'm happy that we – I'm happy with the overall – what has happened with the Bulls. Like, I think what they've done is put together a great team. You know, Lonzo is an individual player. I would have said, like, yeah, it's not worth – paying an extra first round pick to get this guy versus a different guy, especially after you signed Caruso, uh, I'd have been, I'd been content not to, to bring him in. Yeah. I think Alonzo's an interesting player. I definitely don't love him as much as some of the other fans that I, I follow and listen to. I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you are, but I think he's going to be good for the team. And I w- thought it was an excellent signing. And when you're only giving up Sato and Temple, I mean, that's great. When you're giving up a, a number one draft choice, that's a little less acceptable to put it mildly. Let's move on to another topic, which is the Eastern Conference tiers. I'm very excited to hear a breakdown of the Eastern Conference and how many tiers you have, starting with the contenders, the teams that have a legit chance of winning the Eastern Conference this year. Let's start out with your top tier, the contenders, and we'll go from there. What's yeah, so top, top tier is obviously Brooklyn and Milwaukee, right? Yeah, and I've heard a couple of people say that the Nets are on their own tier, and I disagree with that. I think after you win a title like Milwaukee has, and they've you know really felt the fire of the finals, and you've had their three best players shine at various moments in the, in those finals, they should be taken seriously, especially when Giannis is shooting free throws like he has when it matters. Uh, I think they're a legit contender even if the Nets stay healthy. So I put both of those teams in the top tier. Yeah, I, I think those teams are in the, the same tier as well. I mean, the problem with Brooklyn, I, I think theoretically they could be in their own tier. I mean, like they took 
the uh, Bucks to seven games and were like a, a toe length away from winning that series with effectively out James Harden and Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, like Harden played sort of, but was clearly not himself. So, you know, if, if they were fully healthy, you'd have to say maybe they're on their own tier, but it's, and, but just the odds of that just don't strike me as like super high, right? Like James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are all pretty significant injury risks in my opinion. And so, you know, I, I think you have to kind of weigh that in to what's happening. But but I would agree if the Nets were 100% healthy, if you said comparing every healthy team, then yeah, I probably would put the Nets on like a higher tier. But the Bucks are still in a contender level. The the Nets potentially would be on like a dynasty contender type level. You know, they would be one one tier above uh, like standard contender and into like dynastic going to be take something amazing to beat this team if everyone was healthy. It's just, I just really don't expect that to be the case. I will say that I think an underrated and underreported story is the officiating changes that are going to happen this year uh, in terms of they're really going to crack down on some of the nonsense we've seen over the past few years. And when you think of three players uh, that pull that nonsense, who come to mind? Who comes to mind in terms of uh, getting free throws that they don't deserve and, and that kind of nonsense? Who comes the, to mind the first, for you? The first two that come to mind are Trey Young and James Harden. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure who you think the third one is. Well, it's and, Chris Or Paul. if you had those two on your, your yeah. three. Those two are top two, is without a doubt. And I'd say Harden's number one. He's been the yeah, beneficiary right of every game getting multiple free throws that are going to disappear for him this year. And I also think. Well, we'll see how it's actually enforced. Like I hope, I hope. I mean, they've said it's a point of reference, but we've seen, we've seen them make those points of, uh, you know, contention before when they said they're going to start like really cracking down on flopping, and it didn't really work out that way. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I will reference a hoops hype podcast. Uh, I actually, I think it's called the Crossover. Take it back with Chris Mannix and Howard Beck, and they have Marty McCutcheonson. I think his name is, who's the head of officiating for the NBA. I encourage everyone to listen to that because if unless you know they're making it up completely, and I don't think that's what's happening here, there's going to be changes, and I think you will see Harden's game and Trey Young's game to a lesser extent suffer as a result of that. Let's move on though. I think we're both in agreement; those are the two contenders in the East. Let's go to your next yep. tier. Who do you have in that next group of uh, potential wannabe contenders? I mean, the the next group is a little bit harder to define for me uh, because they're the like the gap between those first two teams we named is is pretty large from this next group, and then the next group, if you go from the top to the bottom, I mean, you could it's somewhat arbitrary where you would cut it off. Like I could say the next six teams are maybe in that next group, uh, but I'm gonna say uh, you know just push comes this job. I'm gonna say for me, it's probably the Miami Heat, uh, the Boston Celtics, the Chicago Bulls. And the try. I think if I'm forgetting someone, the Sixers. I don't know if I'm forgetting the Sixers. I mean, I considered them, but I'm just with that with the Ben Simmons thing. It's so hard to ascertain what that team is going to look like. Like if that team is just how they are now without Ben Simmons, and that doesn't resolve itself with them getting another star player back or like a really really good player back. Like I don't think they're in that group anymore. Yeah, you know, the Knicks. Maybe they'll play every every game like it's the the seventh game of the uh, NBA championship. So in the regular sure. season, they might have a record that's <laughs> worthy of that group too. Um, you know, and, and I think those are maybe, and I guess they got to throw the Hawks in there as well. They have a lot of young talent. They, they surprised last year. So, you know, maybe I throw the 76ers and now I've named like everyone who I think is potential to be in that group. But, but I do think that's fair. It's like the next group is really like six teams wide and it's it, any one of those teams could really 
come out there and, and be something. Yeah, for me, it's only five teams wide. It's the 76ers because, you know, it, a lot depends on Embiid. He's not exactly the most. I can, I can bet which of those teams is going to be left off. <laughs> I bet you know, too. Embiid, uh, you know, <laughs> everything depends on him and what they do with Ben Simmons, obviously. Simmons isn't playing there, so it's going to be a mess. I still like enough of their defensive talent. Uh, I think they have some really nice pieces there to still make it a good team. No matter what, and Doc is a good coach. So, um, but yeah, again, you know they're one injury away from Embiid to you know going from a, you know if they're healthy all year they could be a second, third seed. They have that much talent, third, fourth seed, uh, but they could easily fall to seven, eight, nine, ten without Embiid. There's probably no team outside of. I mean, it's got to be the Bucks and the 76ers that have the most injury risk on a single player. Maybe, maybe the Hawks as well, like in the East. I agree. Like. Yeah, those teams like they're they're really really and and, and if you look at those players like Embiid with his history and just being a center um, is one of those guys where you'd feel like you'd feel the least confident of him of those players having a fully healthy season. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I'd say fair. Absolutely, absolutely. He's he's an injury you know waiting to happen with his history. So. And I think he's got they got the bigger delta than any team. I mean, if he goes down, I think that team is even the Bucks. Yeah. You can argue like they lose Giannis. Yeah, they got other good players. Yes. They could hold yeah. the foot. They they're not going to like drop to a lottery team if Giannis is out. They they can probably you know be a five hundred team without Giannis. Uh, the the 76ers, if they don't get something really good back for Simmons, and that's why it's so hard to figure out what's going on with them. Because if they do get something really great back for Simmons, like you know, then things might change for them. But, you know, as it stands now, man, is that like a – it's just so wild to try to figure out what's going to happen with them, it's a you know, mess. when yeah. when, they, when they've got a star player who's just like, I ain't reporting, you know. And yeah. that's like a – that's a weird situation to, to try and figure out where it's going to land uh, as the season goes on right now. Yeah, so I have uh, the Sixers in that group of five. I have the Celtics there too. I think people are sleeping a little bit on them. You know, I think yeah, Tatum, I think that's true. Tatum and Brown are still – you know, pretty rock solid players, and they had a number. And Brown was Brown was out a lot of last year yeah, exactly. too, so it's, it, you know, exactly. like they they they're going to be better this year. Just I mean, assuming they stay or they're healthier with their key guys, they should be better this year than last year. Just just due to that. Agreed. Uh, the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Heat. Uh, with the, the Wait, Heat left out the Knicks. I I can't believe it. I'm, I'm shocked. Amazed. Shocked. <laughs> shocked that this happened. I, I will uh, let you now give your rant about why Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle are uh, hot garbage and this whole team is trash. And um, please proceed. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's hot garbage or trash. I just thought last year they were number one, incredibly lucky in the year where COVID hit many teams that their two best players happened to play almost every game. Uh, 71 and 72 games, I believe, for Randall and R.J. Barrett. They played hard, the try-hard Knicks, and it was all a great story. And what did they do? They 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 added, you know, Fournier. They added the Boston backcourt for a team that was incredibly disappointing. Like, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's an improvement. I don't think it's a defensive improvement. But did, did they lose anyone? Or fashion. They lost Reggie Bullock, um, who was a rock-solid player for them last year. He had a lot of big shots. He was excellent defensively. Um, you know, Derrick Rose is another year older. It's just like Taj is another year older. I don't. I don't know. It kind of feels that Fournier and Walker are like. I feel like they brought in more than they lost. Those two guys are probably better offensively. They're nowhere near anywhere defensively better. I mean, Walker really. What 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 gives you any indication that he's um, on the upswing of his career or he's going to be good? 
Well, I don't think he has to be on the swing of his career. I mean, they, you basically said they lost Reggie Bullock. I mean, like, well, I, I, think <laughs> I think if, I think I, if Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier are healthy, that they're both better players than Reggie Bullock. I, I and, don't. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll agree to disagree. I'll, I'll make this statement. I don't think they're anywhere near as good talent wise as the Bulls, the Hawks, the Heat, the Celtics, or was yeah. The other but team? so you're taking a team that last year or was 40, 41 and thirty one. And, you know, this off the cuff, it feels like they've upgraded their talent to me. Not massive upgrades, but upgrades. Yeah, nowhere and, near nowhere near as much as the Bulls but, have. And the but Hawks. they started they started at a much higher spot than the Bulls did in, Only, in terms of what they were successful in doing last year. Yeah, but why? But my, my counter to that is why? Because they had health. Because Fine, ignore, ignore them compared to the Bulls. Compare them to, you know, the Celtics or the Heat or these other yes, teams. Like, yes, yes. I am. That's yeah, what I'm they, doing. They were like they were fourth last year, right? And and so they were for, the fourth best team last year, and they improved. Like I just think they're in the mix. I'm not saying that the the Knicks are going to be better than all these other teams. I just think they're in the same general tier of of these other teams we named. All right, so we're in agreement for the most part, with this exception, and I have the Knicks at the top. Of yeah, the and I, and I think the Knicks are like to me like the Knicks are like probably in the way the worst talented of the teams in that grouping. Yeah, uh, but like that, uh, you know. And I know you're going to hate me for saying this, and I apologize to our listeners in advance. But they're like they're the, maybe the best coached, like or at least their coach is going to push the hardest for regular season wins. Um, yeah, so that, that's we'll a better way of putting it. And and yeah. he'll play the know, best players I, uh, an insane amount of minutes, so everybody actually thinks like he's a great coach. When yeah, we, we could play our best guys forty minutes too every night. You know, well, when we were we winning thirty to. games, maybe we should do that. Like, I, like, I don't know, like maybe we should win do that, win you. 41 games. Like, like that would be great. So, you know, I hope we find a way to win lots of regular season games this year. Like as a team that's not made the playoffs in forever, that would be outstanding. It would be a big achievement for us. So, I mean, like really, like it, it would. And, and whatever it takes to get there, we should do. And if we have to play some guys extra minutes to do it, we should darn well do it. Like, Well, we have enough talent, enough good guys. I, I still would like to. Uh, keep our guys as healthy as possible by managing their minutes in a correct form or fashion, as opposed to have them leading the league in minutes, uh, because that never ends well when playoff time comes around. So we'll agree to disagree on this one. Um, I think we all know what's going to happen. In fact, I, I do know what's going to happen. It's going to be a massive fail in New York, and I can't wait. We'll, we'll say only one guy in the Knicks played a ton of minutes last year, which is Randall. Like, no one else did. R.J. Barrett so, played a ton of minutes. He was second He played in the 35 a game. He was like, second not, in the league in total not, minutes. He was second insane. in the league in total minutes. 35 a game. Yeah, we'll guys second in the league games. in total minutes. So, so but again, thirty-five a game. Time. Who cares about the total? So he was healthy. The totals is all that matters. That's what the thirty-five more. a game is not a crazy amount, and it's not. It's not the totals that matters. It's like it's the end of game expenditure where you you get like worn out and fatigued. Anyway, I forget it. We don't need to talk about on. it. We'll see Let's, what happens. Yeah, with the I, agree. I agree. They're sort of in like the bottom of my tier. The Bulls are probably actually in the bottom of my peer, tier too. Not necessarily because of talent, but just because we've never seen it come together. And they, they have to prove it to me before I can really buy in. Talent-wise, I could see where they, maybe they're more in the middle of that grouping. But I have to see it on the court before I can really buy in. All right, so let's go to the no chance. This next tier I find most interesting, the next two tiers. Let's go to the no chance. These guys have no expectations. They're not going anywhere. I'm going to just throw it out right now. Orlando, the Pistons are the two that I have squarely in that group. What say you? Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, I'd, I'd have to imagine that. Um, so this like, is the bottom group, I, by the way. The bottom. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why why Charlotte. I mean, maybe they have expectations because Alonzo Ball. Maybe they have a little bit more. Cleveland, I guess, like they have so much young talent, you can hope that maybe it comes together a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, I kind of feel like everyone, Washington, I think probably is in that grouping now. Uh, Toronto, I think, is probably in that grouping. Maybe those guys, maybe those teams are one tier above, like you like maybe your point. Maybe those teams are one tier above uh, Detroit and Orlando, though. They absolutely are. Yeah I, yeah, I think you would agree with me. That's why I'm trying to start at the bottom here, because this is where I think we're going to have a little bit of a disagreement. Let's go to the, I think there's only two teams in that bottom, the Magic and the Pistons. I don't expect anything out of those teams. I think they're going to be terrible again. Uh, I don't think they've improved significantly enough. I mean, obviously, they added young players who will help them become better, but they didn't make any signings where they should see a big jump in those teams. They should be the two worst teams in the East. The Cavs, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Pacers. I'd like to hear your argument. Are all those teams, do you have them equivalent, or do you feel like those teams are, two of those teams are a step above the other two? I don't know. You know, like it's like with those teams, I don't follow. I've, I can't say I've like followed the bottom of the East's moves as closely to say you know how they might have done around the margins. Uh, but my off the cuff thinking is that everyone below the tier I mentioned is sort of like in the surprise me tier. You know, like like they'll have different young guys who could step up. You know, you look at Cleveland; they got a lot of young talent. Like it wouldn't blow you away if all of a sudden that coalesced and they actually moved up into that a higher tier. It's just that right now they they have to prove so much to do it. Like their guys are unproven that you don't put them there yet. And and maybe even to some degree with Charlotte with Lamelo Ball having a really great rookie year, maybe Charlotte is sort of in that same boat. You know Washington. I th- I think maybe I put Washington below them in terms of their ceiling. You, you kind of know what Bradley Beal is going to bring, but I don't think they have like like a lot of talent on that team that I look at like that's going to like surprise me and and grow. So it's like. I think maybe in terms of where they actually end up, they're all in the same grouping. But like Washington, as an example, doesn't really have the upside to do a whole lot more for me. And I think Toronto is probably in the same boat as Washington. Like they've got these established guys. Like I don't know if they have this um, upside in guys that's going to maybe give them a better ceiling than it looks like on the outside. So those those teams maybe they're in the same group. But you know, I'd be a little less surprised if like Cleveland came out of that group and was. Like, that's a team maybe of those things I think, like, yeah, if everyone turned out great with them, they could maybe surprise more than, than those other teams. I think the Pacers, the Wizards, and the Knicks are all very equal. Pacers added a, a rock-solid coach who I think is much better than Tibbs. I think he's, a, he's one of the best coaches in basketball, and I think they're going to be better. And they have a lot of talent. They're not a terrible team. They did lose Doug McDermott, but, you know, they still have – some good basketball players on that Pacers team, and they added a, a premier coach. So I, I love them... the way you, you placed Doug McDermott in that sentence. They did lose Doug McDermott, but still have some good players left. Like that was, that was <laughs> well, he impression. was good for them. He was a talented Yeah, he was solid. Them. Rock solid. And, and the Hornets, you know, LaMelo Ball had a great rookie year. You, you feel like they have a lot of good young. Rozier did pretty well for them for the most part. And I, yeah, I, surprisingly well, I, I got that. I do like Bridges a lot. I mean, he, he was making jumps, Miles Bridges, last year. So they have some good talent on that team, too, and – um, I kind of feel like those team, the Wizards obviously improved probably their roster overall in that trade, moving Westbrook out. And they, they have Beal. They have a superstar. So, you know, the, the Wizards, the Knicks. Um, and I don't think the Wizards' the Pacers, roster is better without Westbrook. I, I don't think they improved their roster yeah. overall. All right. But I'd still put those three teams on a tier above Cleveland, Toronto. I, I'm not a fan of Toronto. You know, um, you know they lost Lowry. They have some good players, uh, and Obi. And don't get me wrong, Fred Van Fleet's good, but 
I'd still put them a little bit below Indiana, the Wizards, and the Knicks. And I'd put them. So I put the Wizards lower. I definitely have the Wizards lower than you. Indiana is another team, and I have the Knicks a little higher as we discussed. Indiana is another team where it's like I feel like their uh, their median outcome is probably higher than those teams, mm-hmm. but like their upside is not high. Like like I don't see where that team. Well, where do you like, have Toronto? Better than a, Toronto like one season. Let me just yeah, throw Toronto. Up. I has, Toronto. I have below Indiana as well. Toronto okay. is another team similar to Indiana, where it's like their median outcome might be higher than Cleveland. Like, if I had to just guess who will finish higher, Cleveland or Toronto or Indiana, I'd probably pick Toronto and Indiana. But I can see how Cleveland could vastly exceed my expectations because of the makeup of their roster. Like, I don't think Toronto or Indiana is going to vastly exceed my expectations uh, based on their rosters. Wow. Yeah. Let me just throw out two teams. Who do you think are going to be better? If you had a bet on who's going to be better, the Wizards and Toronto. I think I'll take the Raptors. The Wizards and the Pacers. I'll take the Pacers. The Wizards and the Cavs. I'll probably take the Wizards. The Pacers and the Knicks. The Knicks. Toronto and the Knicks. The Knicks. Okay. I mean, I have the Knicks in the higher group, so the Knicks are better, in my opinion, than everyone else you're going to name. Toronto and the Pacers. Probably the Pacers. All right. I think we're all in agreement on this. I'll, I'll, I'll provide a yeah, roughly a total, the same. I mean, like these, yeah. you're you're talking about teams you expect to be in a two to three game swing. Like one injury, you know, radically changes the forecast for any of these teams. So what, what I think is interesting, though, Doug, is that the vast majority of national writers I've listened to have the Bulls far below where we have them. They, yeah, they, I agree. They have the Raptors ahead of them. They have the Knicks, no doubt, ahead of them. They have Indiana ahead of them in a lot of cases. Um, so one of us is going to be wrong. I, it's either going to be you and me and, on this big red bus or it's going to be these national writers. And, and, and I think it comes down to what I said, Fred. It's just like the Bulls have been so bad for so long. People are in the show-me state. They're like, prove it. And, you know, when you look at the roster, it's hard for people to realize that basically, you know, like everyone on this roster is new. Like this just isn't a team you can compare to any past teams. It's like Levine is still there. And that's kind of like, and Kobe White is still there. And that's sort of like it. You know, it's like Vucevic was here for like half a season and didn't play with anyone yet. And Pat Williams was here for his rookie year. You know, he's going to come back as a, a different player, probably. You know, like most guys make pretty big strides between their, their freshman and sophomore years. And then it's like a whole, like ever, almost all the other key guys are new. So I, it's just, yeah. it's just a it's it's different of... team. And people, people just, they look at like, ah, it's just another team led by Zach Levine. And I think it just gets, it's, it's hard to, to project how this team that's full of new pieces is really going to fit together. And they, they tend to place it closer to its you know, most recent performances rather than really holistically looking at the team because they're just a little further away from it and they're trying to gauge every team and follow everything and it's just a difficult task to do. And so, you know, I think the Bulls will be better, but I, I think most most media people who are just like, they're in the show-me state. You have to show me before I believe it. I think a lot of their concerns, though, are, are legit. That They have concerns about the defensive capabilities yeah, sure. of this team. And, and I do agree to a certain extent because I do too. I mean, our top three players are not good defenders. And... The guys that we're going to carry us and that we are expecting a, uh, a lot out of outside of ball really can't can't guard well, and you know so I do have concerns about that. And when you lose a player like Thad Young, who that's one thing that's always ignored and I rarely hear mentioned is well Thad Young's not on the team anymore. He was huge for us last year, and all the good things that happened to our team last year, he was absolutely to me he was the second best player on the team overall for this for the entire season. You know he added Vooch near the end, and he he was probably in the argument, but. 
he did just so much for us on the defensive end that I thought made us a you know much better than we expected. There's a chance we could have a massive drop off defensively if that happens. You know there are concerns because I still think you need to at least at some level guard a little bit in this league. I am uh, I do have a little solace. I take solace in the fact that we added Caruso, we added Ball. That I do think our perimeter defense has the potential to be better. But I I do have concerns about our interior defense, no doubt about it. You know so. Uh, but I think overall we have enough offensive power, firepower, and enough really good players that we should be in that second tier. And dependent where Levine, the heights he achieves, and dependent where Williams achieves, will be a, a contender the following season. Yeah, to me it's it's really actually uh, I actually don't think Williams is that important at all. It's it's really I mean maybe to make the leap to contender, but you're you're maybe in that case you're already assuming that Lonzo and Demar and Vucevic all kind of give you the same thing in the fit works. You know, to, for, to be a contender, that would need to be true too. And I, I think that's actually a much more important thing that I need to see before I start worrying about like how, how great Pat Williams develops into. Uh, but yeah, that, that's to me the exciting thing is to, to watch and see, you know, what, what DeMar and Zach and Lonzo and Vucevic, what they can do collectively. You know, are they a grouping that, you know, when I look at the, the sum of each individual piece, it's like really high. And can they come together as a grouping and deliver really high output? And if that happens, then the sky is really the limit for this team. And if it doesn't happen, then it's going to be really problematic. And whatever happens with Pat Williams is not going to not going to, to bail them out of that. So that's, that's sort of my thought. The most important thing is whether they can develop really strong chemistry amongst that group and, and achieve this, the sum of their parts. If so, this team is going to be pretty special, really. I mean, it's like four, you know, you know, low level to near all-star caliber players. And, you know, that, that's actually, you know, normally a, a team that would, you'd see in the 50 wins. So if they're able to really achieve that, that level of continuity, uh, it, it could be really exciting. All right. As we bring the big red bus in, I got to hit the ground running here, BT. So let's bring this beauty in. It was great chatting with you again. I think we're getting into the excitement now because next week it starts with training camp. We'll be doing this, probably multiple times a week taking this baby out. Um, anything else that you want to say before we head on out into the uh, the um, the real world? No, go Bulls. We don't even have to say, are we going to cut that? I mean, it's perfect. Sounds it's good, tremendous my ending. Sounds good, my friend. All right, I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, have a good one, brother. All right, see you soon. Bye.